welcome to Behind the Net, the online series focused on having real conversations with real people from the sports industry. Be sure to do those three things, like, comment and subscribe. I can't think of a better way to kick off series one than with my special guest right here. Hannah, welcome to Behind the Net. What's poppin'? How are you? <laughs> what you been up to? I'm good, just been chilling, working. Just chilling, do what you can do in a pandemic, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, for me to have you on series one is one, it's International Women's Month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, great way to celebrate the amazing things that women are doing. But just your background in the sports industry alone, I think it's a story that's definitely worth sharing. The whole point about this series is us, or myself, should I say, highlighting the amazing things that people do off the field, whether that's on the football field, the tennis court, whatever it is, whatever sport you do. Yeah. There's so much amazing things going on behind closed doors. I don't think people are celebrated enough or have the op opportunity, should I say, to share their story about things or issues that they're going through. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Lara, I appreciate it. I appreciate <laughs> it. I mean, for those who don't know you, um, just explain to those watching, listening, what it is you do. Okay. Um, cool. Um, I don't do a lot, to be honest. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, so I'm Hannah Baptiste. Um, I'm growing up in South London. I've played football. I play football. I've played with Ace before as well. We played together at AFC Wimbledon. Um, what? Um, I love working with young people. I love, you know, just giving them a hope, believing in them, just supporting them and just letting them know that they have a future and they can achieve the goals and dreams that they have. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just advocate for mental health in women's sports and just in sports in general. I think like it's it's so taboo still um, that and people don't actually know what athletes go through when they're playing the sports and the mental battles they have to face. Yeah, and I'm also and just an advocate for kind of diversity and inclusion in the women's game, especially because yeah. I know for me growing up. Uh, playing football that I was always hyper visible and one of the only black girls on the field a lot of the time. So. For me, that was another mental and battle that I had to face while playing football. Mm -hmm. um, so I just think it's important to talk about it um, and just let the young girls know that are coming through the ranks and playing that, you know, there might not be a lot of kind of role models up there, but to just keep pushing and keep yeah. believing in yourself because you could be the one that makes a difference. Exactly. I think um, just on that point you mentioned about hypervisible, I think... Even for for me, mm -hmm. we met at Wimbledon. Yeah, we were the, uh, you were the only person that looked like me. Literally, you know. Um, and naturally, you're drawn to somebody who, because you know, you, you share just based alone somebody who looks like you. You're just drawn towards them. Right. It's got nothing to do with anyone else on the team. I've, yeah. I've got so many amazing friends that I've made through football. But just like you said, like I've always been either the only black girl or the only girl of, as they say, of color. Right. On my team. And that in itself is a battle because when there's certain other issues going on in the world and mm -hmm. things are being discussed, like we know what's going on right now in the media yep, and yep. stuff, sometimes you feel, am I allowed to say certain things? Like, can I really truly express my opinion mm -hmm. about certain terms or certain looks because right. I'm the minority? Yeah. People don't really fully understand. Um, I mean, talking about your playing experience, you know, you've got an amazing career. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that you know, people may not know, is that you pay, played at international level both, both for England and now you represent Guyana. I mean, how, how does that even happen? How does it happen that you go from representing England at under 16 and now as an adult, you're representing Guyana? I mean, to be honest, because I was young, obviously, when I played for England, it just kind of happened. You know, I was playing, I was playing for, I think, Charlton Centre of Excellence at the time and then I just got the opportunity and I represented them for one tournament. Um... And then just over the years, like, obviously nothing happened. And, like, I struggled with football, to be honest, my football journey. Like, because just always being a minority and mm -hmm. being the only black girl, I found it difficult to just stay engaged with something that I loved still because no one understood me. No one... I didn't have support. Right. Like, when I experienced certain things, no one... I couldn't even speak to anyone about it, my coach, no one, because they would never know what I'm going through they yeah. don't know what it's like to be in my shoes ultimately so it is I found it really difficult and so I found other kind of hobbies like mm. where I actually had a group of black friends and I actually just enjoyed just being there and just being able to be myself and yeah. not have to kind of be quiet and just conform because I didn't want to be hyper visible in those in, in, in the football environment so um so yeah so so kind of I found it really hard and then do you know what I was just like, I just, I wonder how, if, or even if it's possible for me to play for the Guyanese national team. Right. Because my parents, technically, they're not, 
they're not Guyanese citizens. Yeah. So they, don't, they don't have the passport. They don't, you know, they don't have all that stuff. So if it was to happen, it would have to be through um, my grandparents. Right. So then I spoke to a girl who plays for the Guyanese national team. She's in the UK. She plays over here at the moment. Okay. And I, I just DM'd her literally randomly and I was like, um, is it possible to go through your grandparents and play? And she was like, yeah, yeah, it is. And then, okay, I kind of just left it there. And yeah. then a few months later, she gets in contact with me and basically is like, oh, this guy Paul's basically trying to get in contact with you. And Paul's basically the international coordinator for the Guyanese women's national team. And so she's like, he's trying to get in contact mm. with you. He's obviously known that we spoke and, and, and I've told him that I have your information. So I kind of give him your number. So then she gave me, she gave him my number right. and then me and him spoke. And then there was a tournament that year. So I went out to Guyana for the World Cup qualifiers in 2018, mm-hmm. um, where he played Barbados, Suriname and Bermuda. That's dope, man. Yeah. So that, that was an experience in itself. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah. I was a mad. And it's funny because... Like one of my friends, Shaq, she plays with Barbados. So we were both we're there. To, yeah, we were both sick. there together, like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. So it's just banter. And then even like just playing in England again, I've met one of the girls that was actually at the tournament um, and she was on the Bermudan team. Mm. And um, me and her are really good friends now as good. well. So it's, it's just funny because yeah. all three of us were at that tournament yeah, together yeah. Just on different teams. And now we're all in England and all like really good friends. And play, and we played together at one point on the same team. So it's just mad. It's like full circle. Football is a small world. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you don't know somebody directly, you know somebody if you know somebody else. Like That's just literally the football world. Right. Um, I mean, what's, what would you say would be the, the biggest difference between when you were playing for England? I know you touched upon the fact that, you know, you felt that people didn't really understand you and you felt quite alone, even though it was a sport that you love and it's, it's a hobby of yours, it's very passionate to you. But thinking about maybe, not even just that aspect, but even just thinking about like the training and stuff, what would you say was the, the biggest difference that stood out from England and Guyana? Um, I think, obviously, England, the sport's been going on for years. The women's um, game is very progressive and, you know, it has a lot of a lot behind it. Um, Whereas Guyana's not so much like the right. infrastructure, that type of stuff is not there. So, so yeah, I f- that was different in itself. Mm-hmm. But then playing for Guyana, I love it so much more than I've ever loved playing in England because wow. the contrast is so different. Like in England, I'm I'm the only black player on the team and I'm hyper visible. I feel like I'm on my own where mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not comfortable. Whereas playing in Guyana. You've got girls from all over the world, girls of all different ethnicities. Mm-hmm. And it's just a beautiful thing when we all come together and, yeah. and everyone feels at home, everyone feels like together and no one feels like an outsider. And, you know, we've got our Guyanese girls, we've got our girls from Canada, we've got our girls from England, America, you name it. And it's it's also beautiful because obviously the infrastructure in Guyana is not great. So technical and tactically, they're not amazing yeah. because it's yeah. still a progress that's moving forward mm-hmm. and they're trying to better it as time goes on. So being able to go over there and help as well as like just help like when we're doing training camps for example mm-hmm. being able to help and assist the guy and his girl to the guy and his girls to kind of um just understand drills understand tactics right, a bit right. more that that i love that as well because it's just a coming together of, yeah. of, of just different different ethnicities and different cultures to help each other and that's for me that is what is football should be about exactly. and what it's about and yeah. and you should always feel like you're comfortable, you're at home, and you have you have allies, you have people that have your back, yeah. and that's the one place I've played, and that's that's you the only that. time I've ever felt that, and it's it's crazy because yeah. I've played for what how many years, and and yeah, so I just love being as a, with the team. Obviously, yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy that both of us have played football for since we were young. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I got signed by QPR at seventeen. You were at Charlton's. Um, excellent centre and you know England under 16 but it's only with the since 2018 that you found yourself now playing for your national team mm-hmm. and you feel yourself that you can be yourself you know you see a lot of things in the in the news and in the media about diversity and how important it is and you know how much the FA and stuff are trying to make the sport more inclusive and all of that stuff but I mean my personal view is I really feel like the FA need to be talking to these clubs and coaches at the grassroots levels. Like this, That's where football starts. Yep. You know, we all know we've all played for a club that was like our local team, whether mm-hmm. that was... For me, my local team was like the teams up at Tootin Beck or whatever. I used right. to play at my recreational centre around the yeah. corner from my house. So 
for me, that's where it starts. Yep. So that's where, for me personally, in my opinion, people may disagree. Of course, comment if you want to, you know, comment on this discussion. But I think that's where the money needs to be invested first because that's where you are then starting the foundation to allow players to develop properly. Mm-hmm. You have a diverse use of, um, like, the diversity in your coaches, diversity in your players and all yeah. that stuff. I mean, what, what do you think about that? I mean, I see, I mean, we follow each other on social media anyways. Um, we tend to like the same stuff when, when people are posting certain articles about things. Mm-hmm. What's your view on it? What do you think is the, or not even the solution, because I don't think it's going to happen overnight, but what do you think is part of the process to, you know, let's get rid of this issue that we're having in the game. I completely agree with you saying it starts at grassroots because that's obviously where the girls are going to start to play and then it's only from them that they can develop and progress that up the ranks and hopefully make it pro or wherever they want to take their career. Right. Um, and I think it also starts with just it being more accessible. Yeah. And academies and the high-level game, like the high-level... Um, like Central Vexens, like they probably don't exist no more. But mm. academies like playing for big teams, being accessible. I remember like growing up for me, like I I just deep it. I deep like just all these situations for me. I was blessed because right. I grew up and I had both my parents, mm-hmm. you know. But I I did I do have four other siblings. So growing up, no five other siblings were all. <laughs> Someone got cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> We won't mention which one got forgotten. I see where we're fading, we're waiting. Hold on. There's three boys and three girls. Don't we are. Alright, cool. Alright, five other siblings. All right, cool. Yeah, so I have five other siblings, so but I still have both my parents, so that mm. meant that my parents, you know, could take me to training that was an hour and a half away to right. pay for child right, 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 right. To pay for Fulham Centre of Excellence. But I also understand that a lot of girls don't have both parents mm-hmm. they're, they're single parent come from single parent families yeah. their parents need to work to, to provide for that family yeah. even for me there was times when like my parents couldn't drop me to train that both my parents and so I'd have to go with a friend mm-hmm. and there's been times when my dad had to pick up my friends and take them to training as well and if he didn't do that then right they, my friends are playing at the highest level and right. if he didn't if he didn't commit and say okay i'm gonna pick you up from clapham and take you all the way to charlton which is mm-hmm. almost two mm-hmm. hours away yes. would she be up there playing right now that yes. is, that's a question you we have to ask ourselves i think and, and and yeah it's just bridging that gap because even like for me i look at my good daughter she grew up and like watched me play and would come to my games and like mm-hmm. she loved football and you know i'd go there and she'd be like auntie hannah show me a trick and i'll show her a trick and mm-hmm. then um she wouldn't be able to do it and I'll come back and she'll be able to do it and do it better than me. It's crazy. And she loved it. She eat, sleep, breathed football. Like at school, that's all she did, talk about football. Talk yeah, yeah, football. yeah. And that's how probably we were when younger. Definitely. And over time, just it not being accessible, being probably a single parent family and her mum mm. having to provide and that being the most important thing, then then there comes the cost of playing yeah. at an academy, yeah. paying two, three hundred pounds a season. That's a lot of money. Yes. Girl, do you know what I mean? That's yes. just it's, 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 not, it's not it's it's not reasonable. Mm-hmm. And then so you got all of that, then you you your parent her parents can't drop her, and then lack of representation, no one that looks like her. So she's like, what's the point? <laughs> what am it's, I doing? There's, it's there's literally that needs. question. That's it, and it keeps getting asked because it's so funny you touch upon that. For me. Same sort of situation, except for, obviously, I came from a single-parent home background. Right. You know, I have a great relationship with my father now, but at the time, as a teenager, very in and out. So right. it was solely my mum, me and my sister. And even back then, football was even less accessible than it was mm-hmm. now. We're talking about early 2000s. Yep. And I remember I got trials for Chelsea 2004, went down to Cobham. My dad actually took me to that. So Cobham, you know? <laughs> no, I, I played them, so yeah. I know it was off. I live in Southwest London. So Cobham. But that's one of the nearest ones for you. That's right. one of the nearest and one of, Exactly. And to, to think about the fact that I was a I was a good player. Yeah. So if you want to play at a decent level, that's a good club. Right. Or you're playing with trash and, and you're not, and you're not developing. Not getting any better. Exactly. And, and that's where you're going to stay. That's the problem. So went to the trials and everything. Amazing experience. And they wrote to me and said they wanted me to join the a centre of excellence, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing you said, two, three hundred pounds a season. How is my mum affording that? 
when she's got other things to prioritize, mm-hmm. like feeding me yep. or closing me, paying the bills, paying the bills. You right. know what I mean? So that got knocked then on the head. To drop you there and back. She three didn't, times she didn't drive. So how was I getting there, girl? You know, TFL wasn't like it is I now know. back then. Right? Especially the cop and go. So where am I going at fourteen? So that got knocked on the head straight away. Yep. But you know, like I said, I already had that armor on that certain things were not going to be gifted to me like I was seeing other people Mm -hmm. I never I wasn't and this is without me sounding ungrateful because I've been very blessed yeah I come from a very beautiful family big up my mom Um, (laughs) and like I said I'm very proud of the journey I've taken because it's made me who I am today Um, however it just when I reflect I'm thinking well if I was able to have the opportunity where could I have ended up because Mm -hmm. I would have started playing at 14 with Chelsea yeah I had to wait, well not wait, but that opportunity never came around again until I was 17 and QPR decided to have open trials that season. And even then, I remember I was getting the tube, because by now I'm 17, Yeah. getting the tube from Tooting Broadway all the way to White City. To Harrow. And all of those places, those were like for match days. Remember, 17, you're still a kid. Yeah. Match days, you know, if you're playing away, game don't, you're not getting back till five. Mm-hmm. All my friends are, or my team are getting home by six o'clock. I'm yeah. not getting home till seven, seven thirty then go to college the next day. But this is my thing, like, that's because I was committed. I loved what I was doing. I loved the game. Yep. So my, my point is that that is where I feel the problem is, bridging that gap for... It's not that there's not talent out there. Mm-hmm. There's so much talent. The talent pool is amazing. And it's not us saying that people, everyone's going to make it pro. Let's be real. That's not going to happen. No, um, and I think that's another thing that we have to be realistic about is is letting people know, you know, you might love football, but... You might not make it pro, so what what are you gonna have as your backup if mm-hmm. that isn't the case so that you don't fall into this mental health of pro is my dream, pro is my life and yeah. Cause at the end of the day, even if you do make it pro, what's your life looking like after pro? Right. right? And that's a whole nother story yeah. that we can yeah, get yeah, into yeah, today. So true. But yeah, sorry, go on, carry Yeah, no, no, no. Just, <laughs> just dropping nuggets. I mean like every time we because what happens is with like this is my point with conversations like this is it starts to touch on so many different topics. This is my point about sport in general. Yeah. The fun side of it that everyone sees on TV, the competitive side, people winning stuff, you know. I know being an Arsenal fan, it's stressful. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, the stress <laughs> of, like, supporting your team and the highs and the lows, we love all of that. Yeah. But there's so much that's going on behind the net that we need to address to be yeah. able to keep just going. Because for me, sport is so beneficial in so many ways, physically and mentally. Mm-hmm, 100%. And to hear about your goddaughter, you know, having this love for the game and then all of a sudden that passion has just fizzled out, like, that's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Because even if she didn't make it pro, just her just playing at a decent level, meeting like-minded people, you never know where that could have taken her. She could have gone yeah. down a coaching route, she could have gone down sports journalism, media, and been involved in the game as a whole, you know? And I think that's heartbreaking to hear. And, I mean, that's something that, you know, I feel is very much an issue within the game, is that, you know if you really want to tackle that issue with diversity and stuff, you need to start looking at the grassroots level. You need to understand that, you know, a lot of people are coming, and even worse now with the pandemic, and now it's hit, so many people have lost their jobs. So many families are really struggling Mm -hmm. to keep it together. And there's not a lot of community-based stuff going on. Um, Even little things like play centres. When I was a kid, I'd go and play centre every summer. It was the best six weeks of my life. Every, yep. Every week as well. Yeah, you know? Yeah. That's yep. where we were going. There, and there's none of that right now. But even when I think about that, like me, me and my mum my parents used to send me and my brother to like summer football clubs or right. whatever. Yeah. It's like fifteen pounds a kid per day. So that's how much that's that's two kids, thirty pounds a day. Yeah. Times that by five. Yeah. Single parent families right. cannot right. like let's be realistic, let's be real. And so it's even bridging a gap and making different clubs have scholarships so those kids can actually exactly and and actually go into the communities where there are and offering trials to those kids just go sometimes yeah. it takes you going into those environments yeah. where you're not used to you're not comfortable and and pulling out the yeah the nuggets of gold it's like true you've been saying it's it, so true we need to meet meet the needs where they're at because because and and find ways of bridging that gap so if it is oh you know you're finding a kid that lives two hours away but but they got something special it's how are we gonna overcome getting them to training every week what can we do yeah to 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 allow them to play and to allow them to be the best that they can be because we see the potential but 
but we'll just find someone that lives local or someone who's privileged and their parents can bring them. Yeah, and that's the problem. That is that is it. Straight, straight, straight talking facts here. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things that I think is amazing about some of the stuff that you share and you talk about very openly, um, if people want to find you online, where can they find you? Literally, social media, Hannah Baps on Instagram, Hannah Baps on uh, Twitter. I'm on Clubhouse as well, which is Hannah Baptiste, if you want to follow me on that. Um, and then Balling with Baps on um, YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just upload little Thursday thoughts here and there and stuff, just to kind of empower people to know that, you know, your your situation that you're in is not, is not the end. Yeah. Um, there's a light at the end of the time, you just got to keep finding and, and being consistent or whatever it is you need to do to kind of overcome whatever you're going through in that moment. But yeah, that's, that's yeah, the no, social balling, balling with Baps is something that I love watching on a Thursday. And mm-hmm. I think the fact that you're, you're so openly an advocate for mental health within sports. Yeah. Um, I mean, is, what's your, is there a reason behind that? Is anything that, you know, really resonates with you in regards to that? Or, you know, maybe an experience that's, that's brought you to be so passionate about being an advocate for that. I mean, what's the story behind starting Balling with Bats? Do you know what? It was last year, if you... I don't know, I can't remember the, the month, but last year, and I remember I woke up and I jumped on Twitter and I saw that the young man, Jeremy Whiston, had ended his life and mm-hmm. he was a former um, Man City mm-hmm. Academy player and, and he had been dropped and it just brought back so many memories of what my football journey has looked like and I could resonate and just relate to him in so many different ways and and for me I was like there's so many people out there as well that have probably experienced exactly what he has but no one wants to speak out and say something about it because it's too taboo or they don't want to be judged or whatever it Mm -hmm. is and so I saw that and it literally it tore me apart it broke my heart like I cried and I was like you know I'm you know, I can sit here and I can cry about it and I can be extremely upset mm-hmm. or I can just express the way I feel and how I think other people should feel. And so I just deep my journey and what I'd been through. And I just was... With that first video, I was extremely raw. I yes. Was, I, I, I was even tearing up in it because I was just... I was... While I was speaking, I think I was just, like, reminiscing on what I've been through. I've right. been dropped from right, teams. Right, right. So I've over four I've I've sat on a bench I've been overweight I've been unfit I've mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've been everything you know I've just always felt like I've not been good enough I've right. compared myself to others like you name it I've I think every athlete has experienced it in mm-hmm, some way mm-hmm. or another you can probably relate yeah, so, definitely. so for me I was like okay I can sit here do nothing mm-hmm. but that's an injustice to the world that's how I saw it it's yeah. injustice to the world because I've got a story to tell and, and that's another thing everyone's story is valuable in some way or another everyone and my journey has brought me to where I am and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be the woman I am today if I didn't experience it and, right. and so I just was like do you know what let's shoot this video put it out there and, and someone at least one person yeah. will hear it and, and will fear it, feel it and I was just telling people they're enough. Yeah. You know, your job doesn't define you. Right. You know, whether you make it in that trial or that addition or whatever it is you're doing does not define you. Ultimately, people can't see what everything that's inside of you. Right. So they can't tell you nothing. Yeah. Who are they to tell it's you so tell true. you what, what you can achieve and how far you're gonna go, you yeah. know, in school and whatever it is that you're doing and and so so I started that and yeah, you can check it out on my social media and then from that I was like because people, I got a lot of feedback. And right, so I was, was like, going to say, yeah, did you get a lot of people trying to interacting with that and engaging with it? Yeah, so so a lot of people was like, just just was kind of wowed by it and was like, they really needed to hear that. And mm. so I was like, you know what? I've got so much stories from my journey that I can probably turn into like a life lesson for people or something that they can relate to that they're experiencing in their life right now or of experiencing their journey. So why don't I just start putting it out on a regular basis and so I just started doing that. It's not been easy, though, to be honest, because there's been times when I've been just like, no, I'm not feeling it. Right. I've not been in the greatest place, and, and I've just been like, I don't... Ugh, I just don't want to do it, do you know what I mean? But then people DM me and be like, you know, keep doing what you're mm-hmm. doing. And, and that's just another thing. It's like, it's so important to check up on your friend and just say, yeah. do you know what, keep doing what you're doing, because what you're doing is dope. And just, just supporting, just supporting, yeah. just supporting the grind, do you know yeah. what I mean? 
And that's what's kept me going, honestly, and just knowing that people are actually taking something from it, um, even when I don't feel like doing it. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, with, with, with the academy, I think there's two sides, because <laughs> we all know how it works in regards to you now progressing from academies to reserves. Right. It is very cut throat. Mm-hmm. We know this. However, I feel like sometimes they're forgetting that these are human beings and they have feelings. And how player A may digest something is not how player B is right. going to digest something. And I think this is the problem with understanding mental health mm-hmm. is people have this um, perception of what normal is, or should I say what normal looks like. Yeah. Um, you know, I being my coach myself, working with so many different children and young people, you know, a kids may be playing just a game, a friendly in yeah. training, and one team loses, they're fine. You've got that one player who's having a complete meltdown about it. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned over the years is not to be that coach that tells that kid, oh, why are you crying? Yeah. My question now is what's wrong? You know, let me find out why, why is this troubling you so much and yeah. how do we get you to understand that loss is okay? Mm-hmm. You know, you're not, you can't win every game. Yeah. It's all right. Um, and I think where these academies, where their shortcomings are is we're not, we're not having a go that you've let this player go. That's, that's neither here nor there. Like you said, you can't be defined by whether somebody thinks you're good enough or not. Mm-hmm. That's just how these academies are. You know, we've seen it. Look at the Premier League. Players have been let go. All right, Kevin De Bruyne is a perfect example. Let go from Chelsea. Now yeah. he's Man City's best player, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so we know that happened because everyone's eye is different, but it's the support that they're getting afterwards. Right. That's the question is, you know, what are you doing to help aid them in that mm-hmm. transition? Mm-hmm. Imagine them, li- they're living, breathing, sleeping this academy. And then Monday nothing. to Sunday. Thinking, That's all people know them yeah. for is playing football. Their friends are all footballers as well. Right. So that's their life. And you just take that away. That's so, at such a young age as well. I mean, adults can't deal with change. Look how much we struggled mm-hmm. in the pandemic as adults. Right. So can you imagine that an adolescent and you take that away from them and then there's just no support system. It's mm-hmm. like, well, go home to your family. Yeah. What do they do now? You know? Um, it's funny, you touched upon a point where you, you spoke about your experiences in football and, you know, um, feeling that you kind of had to try and prove yourself to coaches who either thought you weren't good enough or... You spent a lot of time on the bench. Um, what's your experience in, in that, you know? How do you how do you cope with maybe being in a team where you feel like you're not being fairly treated or you're not getting the right opportunity, should I say, to prove yourself as a player as to why you should be in that starting eleven or, you know, why you should be playing the position you prefer? Um, what's your experiences in that? Do you know what? Like, I, it's crazy because I think back and I deep it and I'm like... It's, it's a sticky one because I know I was good. Mm-hmm. I know at times I struggled my weight and my fitness and that 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 always was kind of my downfall at certain points in, in while I was playing. But then the fact that my race, I, like I think back and I'm like, my race could have been could have been part of it. Right. Because uh, even like I was, I remember I was playing at one school and I literally never started. Like he'd put me on the last like mm-hmm. twenty thirty minutes in the second half, and it was frustrating. And because I knew I deserved so much more, and the person that he was playing over me, I was better than. But then that that leads to a whole road of comparison, and and, right. and that's just a whole thing that I had to overcome. So mm-hmm. I I stayed. A lot of time I stayed silent and I just didn't, I just, because I'm not really a kind of confrontational person as well. That's what I'm, and what I'm learning is that, you know, if, if I believe something, you'll see something that's not right, I need to say something about it. Yes. And I'm learning that as I'm getting older because, Mm -hmm. because I can't be nice because I'm not going to get nowhere in life by being nice a lot of the time. Yeah. Or staying silent, you know what I mean? People are just going to not, just, I don't exist to them almost. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, so I had to deal with that in my own way. And a lot of times it led me into like dark places where I was going through a lot and having to deal with it. And I didn't know what I was doing or how to deal with it. And it was just really hard, but I just always was like, okay, just, just be consistent with what you're doing. Just, mm-hmm. just, just be consistent, be consistent, you know, train, train, do better, be better, become better, you know, work out, be fit, whatever it is you need to do. Basically, it's control what you can control at the end right. of the day because that's all I can do that's in my hands. Um, and I remember, yeah, so I was at, at university in the States because I went out there for a scholarship um, and I was playing. Didn't 
got maybe 20, 30 minutes. And then I remember the last game of the season, mm-hmm. my coach started me. And we, we ended up losing. Um, but after the game, he's like, oh, that's the best game I've ever seen you play. Last you know, game you did of the season. amazing. Last game of the season. Right, last game of the season. And I was just like, you know, if you had just seen in me what you saw today a bit earlier, then yeah, you would have seen me the whole right. season. I would have been stopped. Like, and it was just really a frustrating yeah. situation. But even then, I just didn't even say anything. Mm-hmm. And, and I look back and ugh, I wish in certain situations I just stood up for myself. But that's yeah. just not me. And I'm not going to... And then it, that's not me, ultimately. And then, and then there's the, the stereotypes that black girls have of being confrontational, being angry, being loud. And, yeah. and so, yeah, silence in those moments was my, was my thing. And, and I regret it a lot, to mm-hmm. be honest, if I'm honest, because my career, I feel like, could, could, could have been so different if, if I didn't stay silent. And I believed in myself enough to say, no, you need to start me because yeah. I'll, sh- I'll show you. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes you... That's what you need to do. Yeah. I mean, do you think your outlook has changed as you've got older, maybe because of the people you're surrounding yourself with? I mean, who would you say would be the people who you think influence you more now to say to your... That where you say to yourself, um, I can't be silent on this topic. I mean, I think sometimes who we surround ourselves with plays a massive part in the type of person that we are. Um, I wouldn't say it should shape the person that you are, but you know, it's, a, it's an influence, whether that be negative or positive. Right, so, yeah. you know, you've spoken about the fact that you you very much was okay being silent because you didn't like confrontation. Mm-hmm. Obviously, now more in your adult years, you're a lot more vocal about things that you're passionate about and when you think something's not right. Do you think maybe your network of people, or is there anyone you can think of that's had an influence in that? Um, I think just, like, close people. I think my dad, he, he is very outspoken. Mm-hmm. He's... Very, he's very positive as well though, but he's very outspoken. He'll say what's on his heart and and I love that about him and I look up to him and I think me and him are very similar about that now. Yeah. And I think so I've got I've definitely in, inherited that in some way from him. But yeah. I think also just looking back on my football career and Eniola Luca for me has been a big a big one, like because I've watched her play from, mm-hmm. from a young age when I was at child and she was playing in the women's team and just just playing all over the, the the world really and and even like when the whole racist incident happened yeah. um for the, in the England squad mm-hmm. and she actually said you know what she's seen it happen and she's been the only one that said you know what nah yeah I'm not going to stand for this yeah. this is not acceptable yeah. you know everyone else might, might stay silent and and not not be an ally not not stand up for the injustice that's taking place mm-hmm. and that we're mm-hmm. seeing but that's not going to be me yeah and and I love that about her and, and that speaks volumes to the person that she is and and I think everyone needs to be like that. When they see injustice taking place to yeah. do the same, because I remember when I was a young girl and it's funny, my da- well it's not funny to be honest. <laughs> my dad took me to um Sainsbury's, my local uh, shop and um we were shop- we were in the line basically uh checking out and you know when your your parents leave you in a line because they've forgotten something yeah 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 hold my space I'll be right because because they're almost done scanning so and they left me a card and I'm right they weren't looking at you right you can't pay so I was like bruh like nah like so you're tripping innit you're like oh my god I need support like so so he left me in a line and um there were obviously there's a long line behind as well cashier whatever and there was a young boy behind me and he basically looked at me, pointed at me and called me the N-word. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I was quite young. I was probably yeah. like 12, 13 and I didn't know how to react to that. Right. In that moment, yeah. I'm just looking around. And then his dad behind him was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, you shouldn't have said that. And so I'm, I look up and, and I'm looking around and there's a silence right. from his dad saying something. And I'm right. just like... And you're thinking, well, that doesn't even mean anything because where did he learn that from? First of all, that 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 in itself is yeah. that has come from his upbringing and right. his parents clearly talking right. about or some black people of color himself. Well, black people, right? So where would he have learned that from? Then my dad comes back and he's like, something right, and I'm just like, yeah, because I don't even know how to, how to say it. Explain that say? to him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, that that like I look back on that situation and I just. Think and I'm just like I wish someone just said something. Yeah, stuck up for me in that moment and 
And that's why I love Aluko because that's right. what she did. She yeah. stuck up for the person yeah, that was being, you know, racially stereotyped. And and I respect that and I rate that so much. So, so much. And Big I'm up like, any Aluko. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, she's 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 yeah, I rate her so highly and, and if I can be anything like who she is and what she's done, then then that's one person that I think has made me find my voice in all yeah. the things that I'm passionate about and speak out. And also, I just... I want to see young people achieve their full yeah. potential to yeah, be in yeah, whatever yeah. way I can. And, and if that means me having to speak out and be vulnerable, because I think vulnerability can be so important, then and so be it. Yeah. It is what it is. It's crazy that that happened to you 12, 13. Yeah. So we're around the same age, so we're talking about early 2000s, mm-hmm. right? And... That's around the same time I experienced racism. As far as I was concerned, I knew I was black. Yeah. I'm very proud of my culture. Big up my Jamaican people. Jeez. Very proud of my culture. I've always been in a household that has celebrated my culture, where my family is from, the food we eat, the music we listen to. I've been to my beautiful island many times. Mm-hmm. Um, so me, I've never had an issue with my colour. Right. Until the point I first experienced racism. Right. Now, being 13, 14... There was never a need to have this conversation in my household because, like I said, I was very proud of who I, I was mm-hmm. and where I came from. The people I was surrounded by never made me feel, like, intimidated or, you know, less of a person for that. Yeah. So I remember this was a school game and we played a, a school in Woking. Woking is not even that far. No, it's, it's not really actually. not that far. It's one train. It's, yeah. it's, it's not far at all. Nope. And... Um, we were playing against this team, and it wasn't even the team in particular, it was the other students that were watching the game. And I remember on our team at the time, there was, including myself, there was three black players. One was goalkeeper, myself, and one other player was a substitute. And it just started from the time the ball got kicked. Every time I had the ball, I was hearing monkey noises. Um, at first I was like, I was actually just like, Am I hearing what I'm hearing? I wasn't even too sure whether it was racial at the time because you're just thinking it's kids just making stupid noises. Right. But then when you realise it's only happening when you touch the ball. And I remember my captain at the time, who was a couple school years above me, I think I must have been about year nine, so she was year 11. Mm-hmm. She was getting so angry. And I think, like you said, it shocked them because she spoke out. Remember, now she's only 16, 15, 16. Right. But where we come from in South London, and the school, my school celebrated diversity to, to a certain extent. My school had some issues, but in that sense, I was in a team that celebrated diversity. Yeah. My coach very much celebrated diversity. She was very angry mm-hmm. and started to express her anger towards them, you know, you know, name-calling happened and all of that stuff. And my teacher got to the point where she was so angry, she just called the game off. She was like, I'm not letting my players stay here and yeah. you're abusing them. And, you know, I felt protected. I didn't feel so alone in that moment. When I got home, it really knocked me because up until that point, I had friends from so many walks of life. Mm -hmm. For me, I I really don't care what what colour you are. I don't like the phrase when people say I don't see colour because mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense. Colour blind. Don't, I don't, see colour. Don't come at me with that. That doesn't even make any not. sense in my opinion. I see colour. You're black. I'm black. Right. I, I celebrate your blackness. But I also celebrate my friends who are European. I celebrate my friends who are Muslim. Like, right. I celebrate... I have so many friends from so many different walks of life. Mm-hmm. I have... To celebrate them, I have to see them. So that comment makes no sense. Yeah, I agree. But my thing was... It was just never spoken about afterwards. Right. Okay. I came back to school and it was never a thing of, are you okay? Um, it was never a thing of, how can we support you? Or it was never a thing of, it's not your fault. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, if I didn't have my support system at home, whereby, and similar to you, I didn't say anything at the time. I think I probably sat on it for a good couple of weeks where I was really trying in my little 14-year-old head, digest it myself. Yeah. Then go to my mum and be like, Mum, why why does this happen? Mm-hmm. I remember she made me watch Roots. Um, <laughs> she made me watch the whole series of Roots. And then we had a conversation. She's very much like your dad. She's very open. Nothing is off limits in regards to conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but the saddest thing about it is I've experienced racism <laughs> continuously since then. Even to the point of a few months ago, on my social media, I made it very clear. Someone referred to me as a monkey on one of my, my posts on Instagram. And then had the um, audacity to then DM me with the N-word afterwards. And what threw me... 
I wouldn't say through me because I knew, I actually knew nothing was going to happen. When I reported it, mm-hmm. I said to myself, to, I, had, I was in two months, I was like, do you report it right. or do you just leave it? Yeah. And I was like, okay, look, let me follow the inverted commas protocol and report it. But what stuns me is that Instagram replied back to me and said that this person is allowed to comment what they want because it's freedom of speech, basically. And they don't see anything offensive in the comment that this person left. Mm-hmm. They didn't even address the DM at all. And um, again, I'm now 30 and I'm thinking to myself, I still can't understand how it's 2021 and this is happening. Mm-hmm. Such a massive social media handle like Instagram, where so many people from across the world use it for many different things. Social media can be a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. But my problem with it is that these cowards, which what I call them, are very confident behind the screen yep. to say how they feel. And yes, you're entitled to your opinion, but this is not an opinion thing. This is you calling me out of my name because of the colour of my skin. And again, like you said, feeling so alone because you feel like, what is the point? Because no one cares. No one cares. And I also feel like this is where it crosses over into the sport industry because we still are seeing players. Yep. Um, at every level, not even just at the pro level, at the grassroots level as well, we're seeing players receiving either directly or indirectly, and they feel like, well, where do I go? And if I do go to, to certain places or, you know, organisations who, you know, are advocating for this, what is the point? Because nothing is happening. Um, we do get a slap on the wrist and we move. And yeah, that's... I mean, that's another thing that I have a big issue with, issue with is the fact that you will say, you'll speak your truth, you'll say what's happened. First of all, that in itself, speaking out is, is right. a big thing in itself. Yeah. Saying this has happened to me, that's, that's, that's a big thing because you've experienced that, you've had to deal with all the pain and all the emotions and yeah. all the mental battles that you might have yeah. faced yeah, having yeah, yeah, to deal yeah. with that. And you've then gone, do you know what, let me speak out and say something. But then for them, that to be disregarded as not important is mad. But then also, a lot of the time, the people that are deciding your fate mm-hmm. are people that will never know, that don't look like you and will never know what it's like to yeah. be in your shoes. Yeah. And that's an issue in itself. Literally, I, um, I don't even know if I'm allowed to talk about this. Talk. But it's fine. basically, uh, like over a year ago, a player of mine... Uh, a player on my team get, got racially abused um, while I was playing football, and mm-hmm. so she obviously reported it. And so we had the hearing last week, mm-hmm. um, and I was a witness. And so we obviously did the hearing, whatever. Yeah. So so they basically call up the witness and they uh, basically read out your statement that mm-hmm. you've made and mm-hmm. basically ask you to see if that's right and then they ask you all the questions that they want to right what i thought was mad first of all (laughs) let me get get comfortable is that the accused is allowed to interrogate you and ask you questions about your statement as well the accused the accused so not not the person defending the accused like how we how we vision court so the panel of people who are deciding Mm -hmm. are allowed to ask you questions about your statement but so is the accused for what reason Girl, so wow. I had, yeah, imagine, imagine. So, so I got the panel asking me questions, and then the girl who's been accused of racism asking me questions as well. Does the accused get to ask the? So, if I'm accusing somebody, does that person I'm accusing get to question me as well? So, your friend who was racially abused, did the accused? Answer? I believe. So. I believe. Question. Um, no, I don't know. If she, okay. I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs to be honest. Right. But but speaking from my own experience, yeah. I'm not sure about how the rest of it went. Mm-hmm. But she was allowed to ask me questions. Um, but also, my friend who's mixed race who went before me, she said they. I'm pretty sure they mixed up me and you because they had your statement up and started reading it to me. Then I think they. You realized. see what I mean. To make things worse is the people that were deciding the fate, there was three white men and three white women deciding whether or not what was going to happen with this case. So three people that don't, don't, um, three people that don't, will never know what it's like to be in her shoes and be racially abused. Right. So I think it's a joke in itself. Yeah. And then, and then the accused, she had the cheek <laughs> to ask me, you know, 
what did you do when your friend was racially abused? Like, why didn't you do more? Why didn't you do more? And I said, why was she? Why were you racially abusing her in the first place? Sweetheart. <laughs> I said, listen, no, um, I said, I was like, mm. you know, I, I was like, okay, that's, you're going to, I said, first of all, my friend has, and teammate has been racially abused, right? And me being a black woman myself playing football, seeing my friend react and be racially abused, first things first, is that is going to affect me in right. some way. So for you to ask me why I didn't react different, because you would have reacted different because you're white, and that you'll never know what it's like to be racially abused. You've right. never experienced it. You, you have your privilege. So you can react how you want, and no one will say nothing. First of all, I can react angrily. I can react, I can react what, impassionately. I yeah, can react yeah. however you want, and you're going to judge me and tell me this, that, and that. But let me process first what has just taken place before I make a before I react however I feel like reacting right and I just thought what a cheek yeah what the actual cheek because I don't for me what throws me is just what was the purpose of that question in the first place well like why is she because like, she's trying don't... to put you on she's trying to put you on blast that you know if you you're so react, if, if you're, you're so pro-black then why didn't you back your friend that's because, basically what she's trying if, to say if I was in your shoes I would have done, done so much more down this down right back, back, back. But You're not black, so you you don't know what right. what I'm processing, what's going through my head right now, what I might be thinking of. I might be thinking of the past and everything that I've been through right to this right. point and what I've experienced. And so maybe I have no way of reacting to what's taking place right now. But you I, don't I know that. That's such a valid point. Like I feel like at this point, for me as well, I'm just numb to it. Like. It's become, and it's sad to say this, it's just become a norm for so many of us that it's not even funny, but it's laughable at how how people from, and it's not even just black people, but like I said, I can only speak on racism for black people because I'm black. Yeah. I can't speak on, you know, how people are prejudiced towards people who are Muslim or, you know, people from the, the LGBT community who go through so much as well. I can't speak on those because right. I don't know how it feels deep down. What I can say is that I'm an advocate for equality, yes. regardless of who you are and where you're from. I'm just speaking on this subject in particular and how it relates to football because this is the this is where I've experienced it the most and that's what's so sad. Yeah. Is that in a sport that I love so much, in a sport that I feel like I've given so much to, not just as a player, but as a businesswoman who now owns a sports company, giving back to my community, as a coach who's coached in America, who's coached in Canada, who coaches mm -hmm. here in the UK, you know, who's gone through my FA badges and all of that stuff. I feel like I've given so much to the sport. And then to be disrespected by somebody who is offended by the colour of my skin. Like, when you hear how racism is actually defined, it makes no sense. Makes no sense. But the blaseness about how it is then dealt with, and I feel like, like you said, people may be able to understand the situation, but they will never, or sympathise, should I say, with a situation, but you won't never fully understand if you can't put yourself in that right. person's shoes. And the point that you've made about the panel being just, you know, three white men, three white women, again, they could sympathise with your, your teammate, but they could never put themselves in her shoes to fully understand how that really right. made her feel. And I feel like until there's better representation on things like panels, on people who are chair people, on people who are in the governing boards, until there's diversity whereby, like this conversation we're having right now, that if that does happen again and there's a panel, it's a diverse panel whereby yep, yep. somebody black, of colour, whatever, can come around and say, well, no, actually, they've probably felt like this because mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z. So this, the decision is definitely made based on input from different people. Right. Not the same type of person all the time yeah. commenting on something that, they, like I said, that they could sympathise with but never experience themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's getting deep. And then, getting deep. I've been on Clubhouse quite a bit and, yeah. and we've been actually talking about diversity and inclusion in, in, in football and one of the ladies said something and it really like I was like yeah I rate it um, um, and but she was basically because it is a matter of either we have allies and people that are in the high places that stick up for us they, yeah. they see the injustice taking place they're educated mm -hmm. or are educating themselves people need to educate themselves on yeah, this topic yeah, because yeah. 
and there's so many books out there you know go go read please because until until you understand it fully then then you can't speak on it and you mm-hmm. can't make decisions for mm-hmm. us but oh shit what was i saying <laughs> <laughs> we're getting so deep all right um i think we're talking about the fact that um you were saying you so you met somebody on clubhouse yeah so she so she was basically saying yeah we need people to ally for us because we can't we, we can't make a change by ourselves because yeah. we need people in the high places and they're not giving us a seat we need a seat first of all we need seats and she was saying you know she was on a board of of her um her child's school or whatever and it was all white male pop like 20 people or whatever and, mm-hmm. and 13 no maybe maybe like like 16 of them were white mm-hmm. white white males and then four of them were white females mm-hmm. And she said, nah. Yeah. She said, I'm resigning, but I'm resigning so you can fill this with a person of colour. Right. And sometimes it's, it's people... Like that. Educating themselves yeah. on the topic, realising that they they're, have a seat at the table and they're surrounded by people that look like them. And so what impact and difference are they actually making and mm. are they actually hearing opposing views and opinions that, that is represent everyone? Right and if they're not, realising, do you know what, let me give my seat to someone that can actually make right. a bigger impact than I'm yeah. actually going to make because I'm just going to probably agree with the person sitting next right. to me. But bring him in or bring her in, a person of colour mm-hmm. or a black person or whatever it is, so that they can speak from, from diff- a different yeah. place and, and can have a different view on things because... And, and and sometimes it is it's just yeah. you have to step aside. You do. And I think that's the point the point you the nail on the head right there is you said opposing views. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. If you if you really want to have a diverse conversation, diverse team, you need diversity. You need people from all walks of life. So there can be opposing views and you come together collectively, meet in the middle and say, Okay, we're taking this from you, taking this from you, taking this from you, this is how we're doing it. Yep. Like you said, if there's no one challenging the narrative, the narrative never changes. Right. It's going to stay exactly the same. Yeah, we're dropping nuggets today, boy. <laughs> dropping nuggets today. And that's the whole, like, companies can't just... Can't get diverse inclusion um, officers or whatever, employ one of them and, and expect it to change. to change the entire yeah. company. They need to change their culture. They need to change yeah. the people that are on their board. They need to change the people in management. It's, it's not going to take one person because you're, you're going to end up gaslighting and burning them out and then they're going to be the issue why all these things are racist yeah. incidents will happen in your company because you're not dealing with the problem mm-hmm. that is the culture. Yeah, Whatever definitely. culture it is. And, and I think ultimately what everything comes down to is we need to change the culture of the, of the game. Yeah. I will say this though for anyone, for everyone that's listening, watching, I feel like the millennials, which is us, and mm-hmm. the Gen Zs, as they, they call themselves, the next the next generation. Yep. The conversation is slowly but surely changing because, like you said, we're no longer okay with staying silent. Mm-hmm. And I think this is why I said about social media being a positive and a negative. Yeah. As much as there's still those idiots on there that want to spew their hate, there's very much a lot of people now that are using their platform for good. They're using their platform to raise awareness on mm-hmm. so many different issues within not just sports but just within the world yeah um people can easily now tweet about something they can set put a video up about something yeah. on their story you know you talk about clubhouse clubhouse now being i mean i just jumped on clubhouse i'm, <laughs> I'm a newbie but it's so many rooms on there that you can jump into and listen to people having different conversations and i think that is where change is gonna come from yeah it's going to be a long road it's been a long road it's going to continue to be a long road I definitely don't think something's going to change overnight but I feel like the conversations are starting to be had, mm-hmm. which is a step in the right direction. We just need, we need to make sure that they're continued to be having right. these conversations. That it doesn't, you know, this whole um, thing about, you know, we do something for a period of time, a movement for a period of time, and then it goes quiet. Mm-hmm. And we think, okay, we've done our part, we've reposted something, or we've tweeted about it, and it's gone quiet. No, it comes from the work we are doing in our community. Yeah. You know, I feel like, it's been amazing having this conversation with you today because I feel it's going to empower so many people, whether male or female, to just, one, be yourself, two, be an advocate for what you believe in, and three, be an ally, yeah. you know, really support 
the people around you that are doing amazing things. Sport is such an amazing industry. Sport has so much benefit. We know so many benefits to somebody's life, somebody's health, but these issues that are surrounding it are dragging it back 10 steps. Yeah. And this is what we need to try and kick out. What advice would you give to yourself now if you were 12, 13? So what would Big Hammer say to Little Hammer? That's a good question. Um, I think use your voice. Your voice is extremely powerful. So use it. Stand up for yourself. Believe in yourself. Fight for what you believe in. Fight for yourself because there's going to be times when when you're, you're going to be overlooked and, and people aren't going to see you for who you are or what's inside of you and you've got to show them what you have mm -hmm. and what you can bring to the table. Um, and just use your voice, use your platform um, t and speak out in, in, as a voice for injustice or what people are going through. Yeah. Um, yeah, and do you know what? Like... There's not going to be a lot of girls look like you playing the sport, but keep going, keep pushing, because things are going to change, and you know you can use your life to to open doors for young girls as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which I think I obviously still can do, but mm -hmm. but it just looks different than me playing at, like professionally or whatever in in the UK, anyways. But um, yeah, I still got a voice, and I'm still going to use it regardless. Yeah, I mean, so what's next on the cards for Hannah Bats? I mean, what's going on with Ghana? What's going on in regards to what you're doing with balling with bats? Like, mm -hmm. what's what's the plan for this year? I know this year is very much up and down, <laughs> but I mean, what's for you? What's some of your goals and stuff that you've got planned for this year? Um, do you know what? So Guyana, we're meant to have stuff at towards the end of the year, but I think this is all just depending on mm -hmm. what the pandemic situation looks like. So I'm keeping hopeful and trying to keep fit in terms of that and just in football in general. And yeah, looking forward to football opening up and playing again. Um. In terms of me, um, I do want to start just doing my own thing. Like I'm tired of working for people and doing jobs that I don't enjoy and right. I'm passionate about, and because just don't make you happy. Ultimately. Yeah. So I just like I'm passionate about young people achieving their full potential. I'm passionate about seeing young black girls excel mm -hmm. in whatever they want to do, and and mental health in sports, and also just diversity inclusion in sports. So. I think for me, moving forward, honestly, is is to push that right and to actually make that into something where I can be doing that for. So if anyone's listening, anyone watching, and you're looking for an amazing young woman to join either your team or your panel or even guest speaking, I think Hannah is definitely a person you need to contact. How do they find you on your socials again? Just let them know one more time. Hannah Bax on Instagram um, or Hannah Bax on Twitter. Just jump in the DMs. Jump in the DMs. Jump in the DMs. <laughs> but no, Hannah, it's been absolutely amazing having you on Series 1, Episode 1. Thank you for dropping some nuggets today, boy. I feel like we could have had this conversation for a good couple of hours. <laughs> Where are we going again, please? Listen, um, no, it's been amazing having you. Thank you. I mean, but what I'm doing this, this series, I know this is a little bit of a little bit of fun, but what I did the other day was I had a poll on my Instagram story and I asked my followers, I said, pick between the two, apple juice or orange juice. I got slated because I uh, I love apple juice. Don't get me wrong, all my apple juice lovers out there, I love apple juice, but a very cold glass of orange juice bends differently. So my question to you before you go. Love. And we're gonna be doing this tally this 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 season or this series, okay. should I say. You're gonna be the first one. If you had to choose, be orange juice or apple juice and why? Do you know what? I'm gonna go with Oh, it's hard. Because I've deep two brands right, that Right, right, right. It, it just confused my mind completely. <laughs> but I think I'm gonna have to go with orange juice. Ooh. Because sure. Tropicana is just different. It has different kind of, of situation. Tropicana is and fresh squeezed orange juice. That is right. So apple, all you apples people can't do that. Apples right. Can't do so that. all you people that in my DMs out in me because mm -hmm. I said maybe orange juice. Nah. One nil orange juice. So we'll see what it looks like orange, at the end of the series. Come on, orange we'll juice for like. the win. <laughs> but Hannah, thank you so much. I hope you have an incredible year. And guys, please make sure you follow her up. Hit her up in her socials. Follow the amazing work she's doing, especially balling baps that comes out every Thursday you got episode you got a I got I need to film one and then edit it quick time yeah, yeah so she's got one dropping this Thursday so make sure you follow um I've been ace make sure those who are watching on YouTube you like you comment and subscribe especially the comment part please leave comments about stuff 
or people you'd like me to have on the show, things you'd like to hear about, topics you'd like to be discussed. And over and out. Hannah, thank you so much. Deuces. And we're done. Jeez. That was serious. <laughs> <Listen>. <laughs>